This is episode one, Why Beavers Matter. Welcome to Why Blank Matters, where we explore why small topics have big impacts. I'm your host, Amber Williams. And I'm your host, Kendra Clark. Hey, Kendra, what do they say about clean beavers? I don't know, Amber. What do they say? They're clean. (laughs) No, we were not going to start our very first podcast on that kind of note, even though we're pretty sure we know what you guys were thinking. But uh, other than that, we're just going to jump into it. So we started doing our research on beavers, and the first question that we, we kind of came to is, is beaver plural, or is it, or is it beavers? Like, <laughs> which one is it? Um, <laughs> so we looked it up, and beaver is plural and singular, but you can also say beavers. And one fun thing, you know what a baby beaver is called? I don't. A kit. Oh, that's right. I did learn that along the way. So according to the USDA, a beaver is the largest North American rodent and can be found everywhere in the United States except for the Florida Peninsula and desert in the Southwest. Beavers are also the second largest rodent in the entire world. Uh, The first largest is actually the capybara and not a chupacabra, (laughs) like me and Amber mistakenly (laughs) kept calling it. (laughs) Although the chupacabra sounds like a lot more fun. It does, it does. It's also a mythical creature, so we we can't determine how large it is. (laughs) Um, But beavers are also a keystone species. So a keystone species is a species that basically defines an entire ecosystem. Um, If it's removed from an ecosystem, then it changes dramatically. And actually, a lot of different species rely on these keystone species. Um, And they also have a low function redundancy, which means that no other species can really replace them. So if they leave, there's no other animal that can fill that niche that they provide. Um, Some other examples of keystone species are sea otters, gray wolves, prairie dogs, jaguar, elephants. Elephants. (laughs) Um, Beavers even have an effect on orcas. Like, like the sea mammal? Like, like killer whales. (laughs) I was like, I think it's a whale. (laughs) So um, I was reading somewhere that beavers affect it's an estimated a thousand different species across planet Earth. Well, that is why they are keystone species. <laughs> so they affect orcas because um, in beaver ponds, salmon populations can really prosper. And so then, then they eventually get into the rivers and into the ocean where even killer whales benefit from beavers. What's funny about that is when they first started moving beavers to other locations... Um, they were concerned that it would actually decrease the salmon population. Really? But it had the adverse effect. So it actually made the salmon population flourish instead. Okay. And beaver dams can filter out a lot of different pollutants, such as phosphorus and nitrogen. All of those things can kill, can kill fish. But they say that as large as a beaver pond may be, there's about 10 times that amount of water underground. Um, That's one reason that they think that beavers can actually help with droughts because in California, one of the issues they've run into is they've actually started pulling all their water from underneath all the underground aquifers. Um, So they're pulling up like hundreds of thousands of years old water (laughs) Um, and they're not replenishing those 
aquifers. Oh. And what happens is that can actually even lead to the ground collapsing, which has caused a lot of issues for farmers in that like area. erosion and like landslides and all that stuff. Yeah, I did read a little bit about that. Um, but the water not only obviously creates a bigger pond or stream, but it actually goes back down into the ground and replenishes those aquifers. Okay, so if we could just backtrack for a second, let's focus on what beavers do for the water quality. One of the effects that I am most fond of is that beavers reduce mosquito populations. And usually where there is moving water or water that is alive and moving, uh, mosquitoes aren't as drawn to that as they are with stagnant water. So that, in turn, reduces West Nile virus and the potential for us to get that. So that is huge, but also I just hate mosquitoes in general. But as far as water quality, let's keep in mind that 2.5% of the world's water supply is fresh water. And the majority of that is actually frozen in glaciers and polar ice. So of that water supply, the wetlands, according to the beaverinstitute.org, act as the world's kidneys and they kind of filter out a lot of the, the pollutants. So they kind of act as the kidneys for the bloodstream. An Ohio State University study found that beaver dams filter out farm soil sediment and fertilizer runoff. So what happens if we take beavers out of the equation? Now I can't say this is a direct correlation between beavers or lack thereof, but in 2014, Lake Erie had a water crisis of its own before Flint, Michigan. And it wasn't from iron, it was from agricultural runoff. And as a result, this created an algae bloom which turned the water toxic. As a former resident of Ohio, I lived there at this time. We couldn't drink the water. We couldn't shower. You couldn't go to local restaurants because you have to have water to cook food. And this was all because of an agricultural runoff, which fueled an algae bloom. Uh, and, and the particular thing that made it toxic was too many microcystins, which is a, probably another podcast of its own. But also... Fish can't live there because it turns into a dead zone. So when the different ponds and waters expand, then you have an increase of fish in that water. Um, it also increases the amount of shrubbery and greenery in the area. Um, and all that creates food. It creates different environments for creatures to live in, um, which makes all those different animals flourish. So one example of this is in Yellowstone um, because both the beaver population and the wolf population were entirely wiped out and I think it was about the 1970s where Yellowstone really made an effort to reintroduce wolves back into the environment at Yellowstone National Park. Um, so as a result of reintroducing wolves they found that elk were healthier that deer were healthier and that's because they were killing off the unhealthy so it, even though it was killing certain animals it was really helping them prosper and be healthier and also manage uh the the population densities of those animals but for whatever reason beavers haven't taken to growing back into Yellowstone the same way that wolves have. And there's a few different factors in there as to why that might be. One of the factors that you have to take into account when you reintroduce beaver is their food supply. So one of the, there's three trees that they really feed off of. And the two main ones are willow and aspen. And that's also the same tree that 
elk like to eat. And so elk tend to eat them when it when the trees are young. And so beavers tend to eat them later in life. And so they, there's usually not a food supply for them in Yellowstone, for them to really stay in Yellowstone. And speaking of elk and moose and all the other animals, um, what they found as well is in animals where you had both the wolves and you had the beaver, um, wolves that had a beaver high diet, where that constituted more of their diet than other creatures, they actually had less parasites. So there was less parasites Mm -hmm. spreading to the other animals as well, increasing that healthiness. I hope they get rid of ticks. I hate ticks. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. (laughs) So beavers do a lot for our ecosystem, and that's both a good thing and a bad thing. So they can wreak havoc on our infrastructure, such as uh, the roads and culverts. The first thing that they do is usually block up the, the culverts, and so they can cause flooding. And so one of our friends, her mom is a teacher, and didn't they have like a like a beaver delay or something? Yeah, when they um, first moved to Osceola, Georgia, they had an announcement come over the intercom at the school where her mom worked saying that there was a road closure due to the beavers because the beavers had flooded the road. And that was, apparently that was a pretty common occurrence out there because all the little kids <laughs> in the school, they're like, oh, it's just the beavers, whatever. <laughs> so they had, it was like a warning to go someplace else because it had taken over. So road crews have a lot to do with the life of beavers. And how we kind of got into this was we saw the film at the Banff Film Festival, Beaver Believers, which features Sherry Tippin, who is a hairdresser, and also a beaver life trapper and relocator. And, uh, and what's funny about her is she is not an outdoorsy person at all. She's got like her perfectly permed and colored hair and her nails. Yes, and bright red hair. She just kind of got into this by accident. Um, it was completely unintentional, but now she live traps beavers and relocates them because she found that people if they had that option they would rather relocate them than kill them yes my favorite part of the film is that it starts out with two tequila shots and i think that was great um but she also has like beaver earrings she has beaver like everything in her house so it's really funny you can tell she's really passionate but that was really where we came to learn how important beavers were (laughs) to society so um yeah so beavers are pretty interesting they're they're rodents and if you look at their skulls, like, and compare them to, like, a rat, they look, to me, the untrained eye, they look pretty similar. But beavers have, like, two lips and orange teeth because the iron makes their teeth orange the same way it makes our blood red. And they have translucent eyelids so they can see underwater. But another fun fact is that beavers in the United States, the Eurasian beaver versus the American beaver, so you have the castor canadensis, which is the american beaver and the castor fiber which is the eurasian beaver they can't mate and it's not because they're uh genetically or their uh junk is different <laughs> i can't believe i just said that <laughs> it's not because their junk is different it's that they have a different number of chromosomes which really? is crazy so um they did import beavers to parts of europe um but they they can't mate and so there is some countries have like a waiting period if beavers get reintroduced like i think the netherlands has like a six month waiting period um before beavers can be introduced into the into the population i didn't know that do you know how to sex a beaver no (laughs) 
So beavers don't actually have um, external genitalia like most mammals. So instead they have a cloaca more similar to like a snake. And so the way that you have to detect a male versus a female is you have to like kind of press their caster sacs. And that's where the strong smell comes from. It's either like a really strong like motor smell or it's like a really strong vanilla smell. So it's kind of something in there. Um, so that you press the caster sac and if it smells like motor oil, it's a dude. And if it's, it smells like more like vanilla and less potent, then it's a dudette. And interestingly enough, the females that smell like vanilla, um, they would actually try to capture the beavers to get some of this caster. Or the caster sacs for castorium. The, yeah, because yeah. they would use it to make perfume. So um, when you smell like vanilla, just keep that in mind. And they also use it in like flavoring, such as like ice cream, Ugh. which is terrifying to me. But I've also never smelled a beaver. But the idea of eating castorium, like real castorium, <laughs> is slightly terrifying. But uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, and when you're talking about like terrifying things, uh, beaver's teeth are constantly growing. They never stop. And so that's actually part of why they chew trees i mean obviously for building material mm-hmm. also because it helps like file down their teeth but just the idea of like ever-growing teeth is terrifying to me <laughs> so if a beaver gets like separated from its family or if it's injured um they have rehabilitation for beavers and the cool thing is since beavers are such family-oriented animals they can have more interaction with human it's in fact they almost need to create some sort of bond otherwise they're not going to survive so I didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Kinda cool. <laughs> um, I do. I do know that's why. Um, so back in the '40s, they actually were trying to find different ways to relocate beavers. Um, previously, they would just like cage them, put them on a truck, and it was like really hot and very long and very expensive. And so they decided to try to parachute them out of planes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but they would always do it in groups, so it wasn't just like one beaver, one, so mm-hmm. they could procreate, but two. Um, if it was just one beaver by themselves, they were more likely to leave the area, which defeated the whole purpose. Okay. And beavers, um, so there's certain like movies and whatnot that kind of do a disgrace to beavers as a whole. And so fishermen tend to not like beavers because of the Chronicles of Narnia. So they're, they're depicted as pescatarians rather than vegetarians so they they don't eat fish they strictly eat plants and wood but because of the chronicles of narnia um children grow up just believing that they also eat fish when they in fact do not (laughs) even if they did would that really be that bad i remember reading about how it can affect or fishermen were were hesitant to to be advocates for the beaver population for that reason Uh, but i do remember reading about that but i don't remember which which source but Another fun thing that beavers do to the environment is, well, I guess this may not be fun, they cause a lot of timber loss, particularly in Alabama, where they they say it's like $19 million of damage to the timber industry. Yes, yes, it's quite a bit. <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine how much timber is worth $19 million, but... Well, especially for areas where timber's a large part of their... Uh, economy. I, yes. I imagine that would be really devastating. The other part of this is that beavers do damage to crops and they may flood particular fields that farmers don't want you to flood. So beavers such as corn and soybeans and aquatic plants um, 
or beaver may eat the cambium layer under the bark of certain woody plants. So it's kind of one of those situations where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because beavers are so responsible for maintaining the nutritious soil and ecosystems that we, that we need to survive. So we can't talk about beavers without acknowledging the trapping industries that almost wiped out the beaver population within Europe and the United States. The beavers were captured in order to get their furs. Um, They would make hats, coats, and various fashion items. But they'd also catch them for the caster sacks that we talked about earlier. Um, Fur trade industry actually created America's first multi-millionaire. I believe his name was John Jacob Astor. Yes. Um, And so he actually became super rich off all of them. And so I know that the Massachusetts... Um, economic system was really built off of beaver pelts because beaver pelts was the most valuable animal fur available at the time. So when they immigrated to the United States in the 1600s, there was an estimated 40 to 400 million beavers in the United States. And then at the end of the 1800s, when the fur trade started to die down a little bit because silk became more popular, it was an estimated 1,500 in the United States. But by the time the beaver trade had kind of slowed down, a lot of the beavers had already moved from the area um, if they hadn't been killed. So beavers were actually nearly extinct at one point. Yes. Um, And it wasn't until roughly around the time of many other social movements that conservation efforts were really kind of pushed up. So beavers kind of were the beginning of conservation efforts for all animals. And so I think that was between like the 1920s and 1930s time frame. Because it was about the same time women were getting the the right to vote. Um, So that's that's pretty incredible to think about. Like not only the effects that they have in nature, but also in our political system. Um, One of the most interesting things that came out of this movement was actually in Idaho, Um, In the 1940s and 50s, the Idaho Fish and Game Department actually relocated beavers by parachuting them out of planes. Um, It's actually very well documented. You can even go on YouTube and watch footage from this happening. Um, And professional trappers would pack the beavers into ventilated boxes, drop them from the airplanes into the new areas that they wanted them to flourish. Um, They did this because the previous method of relocating was really long really expensive and also had a really high mortality rate uh, for the beavers that were being relocated and there was like an entire science to how they relocated them by parachute it was if it's possible they would try to transport four at a time one male and three females they tried to do it in july or august which is during the time they were less likely to migrate and move to a different area uh, because that would defeat the whole purpose of putting them in a certain location um And so it was very meticulous in how they carried this out. Um, But you should definitely go to YouTube, check out this video. It's adorable. During the relocation process, the the scientists would find an ideal location. But even if the locations were ideal, the beavers might not take to that particular area of the stream or that particular river. And so uh, there's a lot that goes into account when they try to relocate beavers, such as is there enough of a food source to include willow trees and aspen trees. This concludes our episode of Why Beavers Matter. 
Thank you for joining us for our very first podcast. To find out more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram with the handle Y underscore underscore matters. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. And be sure to join us next week for our episode, Why Agriculture Matters. Until next time.